Now, here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with Mark Zakri. We'll take calls with Mark next hour as we talk about uh, all things television. Mark, Space Command. I remember you just talking about that years ago on the program. Tell us about the evolution of this incredible idea. Well, you know, it was uh, it was interesting, George, because a few years ago, all the science fiction TV shows and movies I was seeing were very dark in terms of saying basically that the future is going to be bleak, there's nothing we can do about it, you were just kind of screwed. And I remember the original Star Trek and Star Trek The Next Generation, too, but I grew up with the original Star Trek that inspired people, that said we can create a future if we reach across with compassion, if we come from the heart, if we have courage and, and honor and loyalty, uh, that we can create a future worth living in. And I was uh, very determined to make a show that would uh, be that kind of show, like Star Trek had inspired me when I was a kid. And I didn't want it to just be developed as a pilot that no one would ever see or, or cut off its script. And so, you know, because a number of my friends run network shows and they said, let's take this in and let's, you know, we can get a pilot deal. And I thought, no, no, no. I wanted to reach out to my fans and see if I could finance the pilot and perhaps more episodes myself. Well, to date, my fa- between crowdfunding and selling investment shares on Space Command, uh, my fans have given me over two and a half million dollars. Wow! And what that's allowed me to do is open my own studio. Uh, we're working with people all around the world, and we've recorded seven hours of Space Command so far. We started shooting the next hour. We're going to shoot six more hours beyond that for the first season. You can watch a lot of these episodes on my YouTube channel, Mr. Sci-Fi. We're talking to Amazon now, and we've been talking to Netflix and a number of other um, buyers. But my main priority now is the uh, the relationship between myself and my fans and because of the fact that I came from you know major TV shows and worked for all the major studios and networks uh, you know I was able to reach out to my friends who are actors and already in Space Command we've got as you mentioned Bill Mummy Doug Jones who stars in Star Trek Discovery and The Shape of Water Nichelle Nichols who I met when I was ten and Star Trek was on the air uh, Christina Moses who stars in A Million Little Things Armin Shimmerman from Deep Space Nine Mira Furlan who starred in Lost and uh, and Babylon 5. We just lost her, sadly, to a West Nile virus. Wow. She was amazing. Robert Picardo's in Space Command. Neil deGrasse Tyson is now in Space Command. Phenomenal. And uh, so now we're building upon that to uh, to do a, a slate of six series and called The Showrunners Network. And I'm teaming with a lot of my, my very famous actor friends and also my, my friends who've created the top TV shows of the last 20 years. And so... Uh, but I have a full studio up and running with equipment, and we're we're uh, we're building an alien spaceship. We're almost done with that. We're building two eight foot tall creatures. <laughs> I own fourteen spacesuits. <laughs> you know, it, it just keeps going, and it's uh, it's a, a dream come true. I couldn't I couldn't be happier. Has computer animation helped a lot too? Yes, it does, but it it has its own challenges. And so, for instance, in the first two hours of Space Command, the two hour pilot. We have 1,800 visual effects shots, which is insane. It's like Star Wars doesn't have that many. Um, for the next two-hour episode that we're in post-production on now, uh, that will have what, a lot more of what are called practical effects. That's why we're building the alien spaceship. That's why we're building the two foot, you know, the two eight-foot-tall creatures, so that we aren't as reliant on visual effects. So what you try to do is find the balance, but mainly you have to tell a human story with characters that people care about, and you know the, the effects are wonderful and, and they have to be good. Good, of course, but and the production design has to be good. But at heart, it's about people you care about, and that's that's always what what's going to make something last and 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 affect people and move people and and entertain them. 
And and I got to tell you, Mark, I've met a lot of people in Hollywood since I've been out here. You're one of the nicest guys I've ever met. You, you deserve this. You really do. Thank you. Well, it's it's the love of a good woman. Elaine and I are writing and directing and producing together, and we just celebrated our 44th anniversary. No way. So, yeah, yeah. You're only so, 32 uh, years old. <laughs> yes, that's a paradox, isn't it? And uh, But the, the funny thing is she met me when I was in college, and so I uh, God knows what I'd be like if not for Elaine. Well, congratulations uh, we, to both of you. Thank you. She's the best part of every day, and uh, I, I, I couldn't be more lucky. Tell us about the evolution of the Mr. Sci-Fi channel on YouTube. Yeah, well, that was really interesting, George. You know, it's uh, I was having lunch a couple of years ago with my friend Glenn Mazzara, who was the showrunner on Walking Dead, and we were just talking science fiction like you and I are talking now. And he said, well, you know, you know so much about science fiction, you should have your own YouTube channel. So I thought, well, that's an interesting idea. So I went on YouTube and found out how one does that. And uh, I just started, um, you know, talking about science fiction and, and sharing what I was working on, like Space Command, or, or I'd talk about, you know, Twilight Zone and stories that Ray Bradbury had told me or that I'd heard from Broad Sterling's, you know, from my research. And, uh, and so it, it, and I really didn't do much to promote it, but now I've got millions of hits. I've got, I'm closing in on a hundred thousand subscribers and it's absolutely free content. I mean, uh, I, you know, I talk about, you know, any, any aspect of science fiction that I want to talk about. And then also I put my Mr. Sci- my uh, Space Command episodes up there and all sorts of stuff. So it's, it's just a cornucopia. It's really, really fun. I have a great time doing it. We're going to take calls next hour with Mark about the Twilight Zone and other TV shows. So get ready to jump on board. Your latest work is called Green Lighting Yourself. Tell me about that. Well, you know, yes. And, and um, you know, I think, you know, George, for um, many years I've run this roundtable of writers and directors and actors and producers. And during the pandemic, we've been on Zoom, but it's thousands of members. And it was just I, something I created and run for free. With, there are no dues. It's basically just to give people um, a supportive place in Hollywood. A sure. Supportive, well, even if they're not in Hollywood, the, the town, you know, it's just basically create a, a, a showbiz inter- industry that has humanity at its core and, and kindness. And and so many people get so defeated by the arrogance of Hollywood or or they can't get an agent or they can't get a manager or they can't get anyone to read their script. And what I've been applying the last few years in building my own studio and, and creating Space Command and all of these, these things I've been doing, I thought nobody teaches that. There's no book you can get on how you can basically green light yourself that now – thanks to the internet and thanks to computers and thanks to the fact that we all have video cameras, high-quality high video cameras in our pocket, you know, the barriers, it's no longer up to the studios or the networks or the major publishing houses what gets out to the world. You can reach millions of people if you just have something that people will find interesting. And um, and so I wanted to share step-by-step step what I had done and also a number of my friends. Uh, fortunately, J.J. Abrams and Neil Gaiman and Guillermo del Toro and you know, Marie uh, Bradbury, of course, they all have told me stories that were about how they built their careers and how they recovered from failure and how they, you know, were um, supported and mentored by others. And uh, fortunately, and my friend Ron Moore, who uh, who runs uh, For All Mankind, the TV show on Apple now, uh, they were all kind enough when I reached out and said, well, you know, we, you told me this great story about your career um, privately, but can I share it with, with my readers? And they all said yes. And, uh, and it was just great, and um, and so this is sort of like everything I've learned over over forty years of my career. I've been a professional writer since I was nineteen, and um, and I just it's you know it's not a mystery. But the problem is that so many people are told, well, you've got to get have a great script, or you 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 need an agent in order to make it, and none of that is true. 
You just need to to say, what do I want to share with the world? What comes from my heart? And and you know, it's a conversation between you and and the world, as just as you know, because people can certainly uh, understand. I mean, the reason you're successful, George, is because you're authentic, and people can listen to the show and they know what you're passionate about and they know who you are, and 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 what people have to understand you you, you don't have to hide who you are to succeed as an artist. Uh, you know, you you have to be authentic and honest and straightforward, and people will get that. And if you come from passion and enthusiasm and and honesty and a genuine quality, people will respond. Ray Bradbury passed away nine years ago at the age of 91. Tell us a little bit about him. He was wow. he was one of a kind. He was phenomenal. I, I longed for him to be my friend and mentor for many, many years, decades, and I'd given up on that. And then one day he came across something I'd created, and he loved it, and he called me, and he said, you must come to the house. And I came, and we just hit it off. And so then for over 10 years... Once a month, I would go to his house, and we'd just sit and talk about career and life and art, and he'd invite me to these plays. He was putting on plays of his work at that point, and I, I always, of course, brought a book for him to sign, one of his books, and um, and he was so wonderful. And the interesting thing is that I'd heard um, that he and Rod Serling had had a falling out, and that was why he only wrote one episode of Twilight Zone. He was originally going to be one of the major writers on the show, and neither he nor Rod would talk about it publicly. And in fact, when I tried to interview him for the Twilight Zone Companion, he declined. And and finally, when we became very close friends, I said, okay, Ray, tell me what happened between you and Rod. And he told me. And it and so I, I have a video on Mr. Sci-Fi where I say, okay, I'm going to tell you what the story that Ray told me. And it's an amazing story. It takes 30 minutes for me to tell it. And it's on my Mr. Sci-Fi channel. But he basically talked about how Basically, it was uh, it, neither one of them was at fault. It was just kind of like where they came to a parting of the ways. But Twilight Zone would not have been what it was uh, without um, Ray Bradbury because his three uh, protégés, uh, Richard Matheson, Charles Beaumont, and George Clayton Johnson, formed the core of the writing team on, on Twilight Zone, and that was thanks to Ray. And they were unable, Rod and Ray, to get together huh? at the end? They just had a falling out. It was, I you know, I go into it in detail, but it was mainly just that it was just kind of cross-purposes. You know, um, Rod was incredibly busy, and so certain things he'd said to Ray um, kind of fell through the cracks. It was it was like falling out, falling out that anyone can have. It, they were both wonderful people, and I'm very, very glad that I got to, uh, to get to know Ray so well, and he trusted me with that story. And, uh, and my God, there were so many pieces of advice he gave me that were invaluable. And, I, and they're, in, they're in the Green Lighting Yourself book, uh, you know, I, I talk about that at length in, in the book. Good for you. And people can get this book now? Is it out? It's not out yet. I've sent the manuscript to my pub- publisher, Silman James. It'll be out, um, you know, uh, in a few months. And so if, if people just kind of, um, you know, go on to Amazon or whatever, and you know, they'll be able to find it ultimately. And uh, I think they'll really benefit from it. What's your favorite Twilight Zone episode? Well, my favorite is Walking Distance, because that's about a man who goes back into the past of his childhood to try to reclaim that that childhood. And it was um, Ray's, uh, it was Rod Sterling's fa- personal favorite, because during the war, he was a paratrooper, and even when the war was winding down, his father died very suddenly of a heart attack at age 52, and he wanted to go home to the funeral. Uh, he was overseas, and the Army wouldn't let him go, you know, the Army Air Corps, and uh, uh and so he never got to say goodbye to his dad. And so that episode really is about him going back home and, and finally being able to say goodbye to his father. And it, so it was, it was very personal for Rod. And, 
just an amazing piece of writing. I mean, there's so many great Twilight Zone episodes. I mean, you know, you can't really go wrong if you say the one with Burgess Meredith, where he's the last man on earth, or Howling Man, or you know, to serve uh, man. Any, any of them. You know, stop at Willoughby. You know, there's this. It's just a. Well, I loved them all. Riches. To serve man, that was a classic too. That's a great episode, absolutely, and that was written by one of my teachers, uh, Damon Knight. Uh, wrote the short story that that episode was based on, and uh, he was my teacher. Uh, and when I was 19 years old, he bought my first short story. So. <laughs> and they all had that ending, that really special ending, didn't they? Yes, yes. And Rod would say that he, if he knew the ending, he knew he was okay. But he said he had, he had so many ideas where he could get the beginning and the middle and could not come up with the ending, and those never, of course, got on, on the air. But if he had the ending, he, could, he knew where he was going. And uh, he could write incredibly fast. Uh, when he did um, it's, uh, um, The Hitchhiker, the episode with Inger Stevens, which yep. was an adaptation going, of a radio going play. Going my way. Yeah. Um, he wrote that, that episode in eight hours. That's wow. Episode. So That's amazing. Incredibly fast. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.